Good morning. The members of Faith Lutheran Church welcome you to the 8 a.m. broadcast of our worship service from the Faith Ministry Center Sanctuary. Today is the second Sunday of Easter. Leading the liturgy this morning is Pastor Aaron Rosenau. Preaching this morning is Pastor Dan Thews. We will be following the Lutheran service book, Divine Service Setting 1. We join the service already in progress. Good morning, everyone. Good to see you all who are here in worship today. Those worshiping with us online or through the radio today, welcome to you as well. So glad that you're here. Uh, my name is Aaron Rosenau, one of the pastors here at Faith. We're continuing with our Easter season. Uh, even though it is a little overcast and gloomy outside, it is bright and cheerful in here, and especially because of the good news, the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, which is our hope and salvation. So, um, so glad you're here for that. We're starting a series this week um, called Rejoice that'll carry us through the Easter season, and it is good to rejoice in the Lord for his salvation and the resurrection. Um, today we're going to be talking about doubting Thomas. Uh, you're going to hear from the, in the gospel lesson about Thomas who doubted the resurrection of Jesus. And um, if you're here with us in person today, I'm going to invite you to, after worship, take a, take a look at the painting that is on easel in the back. Um, it's a replica of a painting by Caravaggio, which was painted back in 1602. But uh, it's a replica painted by one of our members, Ben Sherbarth, and he is extraordinarily talented. You'll be able to see it in the back. And it'll actually be on display in the, um, in the back of the church for the rest of the Easter season, too. So you can check that out if you're not in person today, but uh, we'll be in the future. Uh, just a few notes about what's coming up here in the next week or two. Starting on Wednesday, we'll have a new member class that starts uh, called Rooted in Faith. There's information in your bulletin announcement about that if you want to learn more about Rooted in Faith. That's for our new members or those who are interested in learning more about faith, even if you don't want to become a member but want to know more about faith. Um, that would be for you. Uh, Pastor Dan is going to be leading a Saturday seminar. And... Uh, the information about that is in the bulletin as well, but um, the deadline is today to sign up for that so that we can have appropriate materials for you if you're going to participate in that Saturday seminar. And, uh, and then finally, we have a congregational meeting that's coming up in, in the middle of May, May 15th. But leading up to the congregational meeting, we're going to have a series of congregational forums just an open opportunity to hear what's going on, what will be at the congregational meeting, give some feedback. We want to be able to listen well to our congregations. So those are coming up on Saturday, April 29th, Sunday, April 30th, and Monday, May 1st. So um, each of those is happening after worship. So after our Saturday worship, after our Sunday worship, and after our Monday worship. Um, not next weekend, but the following weekend. So that's the announcements I have. As you are able, I invite you to stand as we join together in our Easter acclamation. Alleluia, Christ is risen. He is risen indeed. Alleluia. This is the day the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. Jesus Christ is the gate of the Lord through which delivers, which believers may enter God's presence. 
He alone is the way, the truth, and the life. The stone the builders rejected has become the cornerstone. The Lord has done this, and it is marvelous in our eyes. The lamb who once was slain has burst his three-day prison. Now Satan is undone. Now death's dread power is gone. Alleluia, Christ is risen. He is risen indeed. Alleluia. Our opening hymn comes from Lutheran Service Book number 487. Come, you faithful, raise the strain. Come, you faithful, raise the strain of triumphant gladness. God has brought his Israel into joy from sadness. Loose from Pharaoh's bitter yoke, Jacob's sons and daughters led them with unmoistened foot through the Red Sea waters.
In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. But But if if we we confess confess our sins, God, who is faithful and just, will forgive our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Let's pause in silence. Let us then confess our sins to God our Father. Most merciful God, we confess that we are by nature sinful and unclean. We have sinned against you in thought, word, and deed by what we have done and by what we have left undone. We have not loved you with our whole heart. We have not loved our neighbors as ourselves. We justly deserve your present and eternal punishment. For the sake of your Son, Jesus Christ, have mercy on us, forgive us, renew us, and lead us, so that we may delight in your will and walk in your ways to the glory of your holy name. Amen. Easter people, from the grace of God which does not forget you, from the love of God which refuses to let you go, from the mercy of God which covers all hurt, comes new life and peace. Almighty God in his mercy has given his son to die for you and for his sake forgives you all of your sins. As a called and ordained servant of Christ and by his authority, I therefore forgive you all of your sins in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Thanks be to God. Our next hymn comes from Lutheran Service Book number 482. This joyful Easter tide, away with sin and sorrow, my love the crucified has sprung to life this morning. Had Christ who once was slain, now burst his three-day prison, our faith had been in vain, but now has Christ arisen, 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 but now has Christ arisen.
Let us pray. Lord Jesus, your rising from the dead is miraculous, amazing, life-changing, and beyond our understanding. Words are not enough to express how overjoyed we are at your salvation. We thank you, Heavenly Father, that we can rejoice in the knowledge of the resurrection, that death's flood has lost its chill as we await our future inheritance in heaven and imagine that magnificent day. Help us to make every day an Easter day of first importance through Jesus Christ, our risen Lord, who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Our first reading this morning is from 1 Corinthians chapter 15. Now, brothers, I want to remind you of the gospel I preached to you, which you received and on which you have taken your stand. By this gospel, you are saved if you hold firmly to the word I preached to you. Otherwise, you have believed in vain. For what I received, I passed on to you as of first importance, that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures, that he was buried, that he was raised on the third day according to the scriptures, and that he appeared to Peter and then to the twelve. After that, he appeared to more than 500 of the brothers at the same time, most of whom are still living, though some have fallen asleep. Then he appeared to James, then to all the apostles, and last of all, he appeared to me also, as to one abnormally born. For I am the least of the apostles and do not even deserve to be called an apostle because I persecuted the church of God. But by the grace of God, I am what I am, and his grace to me was not without effect. No, I worked harder than all of them, yet not I, but the grace of God that was with me. Whether then it was I or they, this is what we preach, and this is what we believe. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. I invite you to stand for the reading of the gospel. Gospel according to St. John, the 20th chapter. On the evening of that first day of the week, when the disciples were together with the doors locked for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. After he said this, he showed them his hands and sighed. The disciples were overjoyed when they saw the Lord. Again, Jesus said, peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, I am sending you. And with that, he breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive anyone his sins, they are forgiven. If you do not forgive them, they are not forgiven. Now, Thomas, called Didymus, was one of the twelve and was not with the disciples when Jesus came. 
So the other disciples told him, we have seen the Lord. But he said to them, unless I see the nail marks in his hands and put my finger where the nails were and put my hand into his side, I will not believe it. A week later, his disciples were in the house again and Thomas was with them. Though the doors were locked, Jesus came and stood among them and said, peace be with you. Then he said to Thomas, put your finger here, see my hands, reach out your hand and put it into my side, stop doubting and believe. Thomas said to him, my Lord and my God. Then Jesus told him, because you have seen me, you have believed. Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. Jesus did many other miraculous signs in the presence of his disciples, which are not recorded in this book. But these are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing, you may have life in his name. This is the gospel of the Lord. Grace, mercy, and peace be unto you from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior Jesus the Christ. Amen. And good morning, everybody. I didn't get a chance to say that to you yet, and it's good to still celebrate Easter. In fact, every Sunday is a little Easter, isn't it, as we rejoice in the good news of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And today we get to talk about what is of first importance, believing, not doubting, that Jesus died for our sins and rose again from the dead. So we're going to look today at this man we call Doubting Thomas. You might want to pull out the green little insert that you have uh, as we work through the Word of God together today. And as we start, I want to talk about the three, I think, most discouraging words that you will ever hear. Do you know what I think they are? Just have faith. And I hate it when people say that to me. You know, when you're wrestling with something or you're really struggling with something, you're going through a disaster in your life and someone just sort of pats you on the shoulder and says, just have faith. You know, you're going through a, a financial disaster in your life or you're going through marriage or health problems or you're facing something that you never faced before. It's a challenge that you don't think you'll ever be able to overcome. And some well-meaning Christian says, well, just have faith. And yet you go to bed every night worrying, wondering how you're going to make it through. Just have faith. I don't know about you, but it doesn't really help me. It's like saying to someone that you come across on the street has just been in a car accident and has broken their arm, just saying to them, just don't hurt. <laughs> it just doesn't work, right? I don't want someone to tell me, just have faith. What I want is for someone to tell me, how faith helps me get through what I'm going through. Do you know what I mean, the difference? I want to know how faith, one of God's greatest gifts, helps me manage the things that I face every day in life. How to have faith when I'm struggling. How to have faith when it's difficult. How to have faith when it doesn't seem that there's any hope. That's what I need to know. And that's what our text is about today, our gospel lesson. It's about a man named Thomas who went through one of these just-have-faith experiences. 
Right? You heard in the lesson how Thomas wasn't there the first time Jesus showed up. And then he comes and has a conversation with the disciples, and they saw Jesus, and they tell Thomas, I know you didn't see him, but just have faith. And I'm sure Thomas is like, that doesn't really help. Just have faith doesn't really help right now. I saw him die. I saw him be buried in that tomb. I know he is dead and gone, and I know that dead people don't come alive come to life again. Just have faith? That doesn't really help. And then a week later, Jesus shows up. And Jesus teaches Thomas, and thankfully each and every one of us as well, what real faith is and what real faith does. And so today we're going to take an honest look at that word faith. The word Thomas, you know, literally means twin. Thomas has a lot of twins today, I think. A lot of us doubt like Thomas. A lot of us are doubting Thomases. And so we need to get this straight. What does it mean to doubt and what does it mean to have faith? Thomas came to a, a, great, a great experience of faith where he made one of the greatest confessions of the church. And I'd like to be able to do the same, and I bet you would too. So let's look then at how we handle these honest doubts in our lives that we face all the time. So if you're following the outline, right, the first thing that I think we learn from our story of Thomas about doubt and faith, the first thing that we need to do is name and claim your doubts. Go ahead and write that there in the blanks. We need to name and claim our doubts. It's just important that we just admit to one another that all of us doubt from time to time, that all of us have very real questions in our lives, that all of us have very real struggles with God's will and working in our lives. And see, I believe you can't get rid of something until you admit that it's real. Here's the way I guess I look at doubt in our lives as believers. Did you ever have ants in your house? Right? If you've ever had ants in your house, you know how this works. Everything's fine one night. You go to bed and everything's okay. And you wake up in the morning, there's ants all over your cupboard. Now, what's the thing to do? To say, well, you know, maybe if I just ignore them, they'll go away. <laughs> maybe if I just ignore them, tomorrow they won't come back again. Now, that's not what we do. We do whatever we can to admit that we have an ant problem and do something about it. And it's the same with our doubts. When we have these doubts, let's not just pretend they're not real. Let's not pretend they'll just go away. They won't come back again. But let's admit it. Let's name and claim it so that we can deal with it and do something about it. That's what Thomas had to do. He had to just admit that he had these doubts so that he could deal with them and so that Jesus could help him resolve them in his life. And so as we look then at this story, how did, how did Jesus help Thomas come to understand his doubts? Well, we see in Thomas there are these two specific causes for his doubts. Right, again, we're following in our outline, right? The, the first thing was Thomas had these requirements for belief. Thomas set up these standards or requirements for belief. Notice what he says. He says, unless, dot, 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 I will not believe unless I see with my own eyes, 
unless I touch with my own hands, unless I take my finger and put it into his side and his hands and into his side, unless I see, I will not believe. Do you see how he, he set up these requirements for belief? We do the same thing. We say, unless I can get everything just right in my life, I won't take this great step of faith in my life. Unless things don't change, I will not believe. Unless every Christian I meet is a perfect person, I won't work with them. Unless God runs the world the way I want him to run the world, I won't believe. We put our requirements on this all the time to our faith, don't we? And I think that's because, you know, when we grew up in school, we learned this thing called the scientific method. You remember that? The scientific method. This is what we were taught, that you need to be able to prove something is real before it's real. We were taught that if you can't see it, if you can't touch it, if you can't prove it, then it's not real. But I hope you know that there are a lot of things in life that are real, but we just can't see. Some things are real that we just can't touch, but they're still as real as real can be. Things like love, God himself, grace, heaven. Those are all very real things, aren't they? More real maybe than even this world. But yet we're trained to doubt. We're trained to put standards on our faith. See, so Thomas lived with doubt because he put unrealistic requirements on his faith. That's in your outline too if you're filling blanks. He lived with doubt because he put unrealistic requirements upon his faith. He said, I have to see it, I have to touch it. Do you know anybody like that? Maybe you're looking in a mirror right now. It's real easy to do, isn't it? And yet the Bible teaches, Hebrews 11:1 1, that faith is being sure of what we hope for and certain of what we do not see. Faith is what I call informed trust. Again, that's the blanks on your outline. Faith is informed trust. It begins with the Bible informing us of something about God or his will or his ways in our lives. And then we need to trust that. Have you heard of blind faith? I don't believe the Bible teaches blind faith in God. We don't believe just because. We believe because of informed faith. God gives us information. There's reasons why we believe these things. And then we follow that up with trust. And when our faith is informed and it followed by trust, we have this real genuine faith. So step one, you know, name and claim your doubts is understanding the requirements that we put on faith and instead follow up with informed trust. Then the second thing that Thomas did is he withdrew from fellowship. Point two in your outline there, right? The second reason that he doubted is he withdrew from fellowship. I mean, think about this. The night in the upper room when all the disciples were gathered together and Jesus showed up for the first time and said, peace be with you, where was Thomas? Not in the room. Now, I don't think he was out getting pizza for the boys. You know, I think he was struggling. He was doubting. He was hurting as he tried to make sense of the death of Jesus on the cross. But because he missed the fellowship that night, he lived in misery for the rest of the week. See, here's my point. He lived in misery for a week just because he missed church that night. Because he missed fellowship that night with other believers, he missed 
what they had shared together. If he had just been there, everything would have been different, right? Right? So when you remove yourself from fellowship, it's like poison to your faith. Can I say that again? When you remove yourself from the fellowship of the body of Christ, from believers, when you remove yourself from worship, when you remove yourself from connecting together and working together and serving together and lifting each other up and praying for each other, when you remove yourself from fellowship, it's poison to your faith. It kills us. If we want to have the faith that Jesus Christ talks about, we need each other. That's the way God made it to be. So it's interesting that Thomas, when he does finally show up, did something good. He confessed his doubts. He came to the body eventually in fellowship, and he said, I'm struggling with this. Unless I see it, unless I touch it, I won't believe it. He admitted it. He named and claimed his doubts in fellowship so that God could work through it. All right, you following everybody? Let's move to point two on the outline. First thing we need to do to work through our doubts, have faith, is name and claim it. The second thing is we need to redirect our will. There's two very important statements in this passage. One comes from Thomas and one comes from Jesus. One is full of doubt and one is full of faith. Remember, Thomas says when he comes to, comes to him, I come to the disciples, I will not believe, he said. In other words, he's choosing not to believe. You can see in the bottom of your outline there, I gave you the literal Greek statement that Thomas, you know, that John writes that Thomas said. And you see there in Greek, Thomas actually gives a double negative. You see, I printed it there for you. What he really says is, no, not will I believe. He's like saying, I positively, absolutely will not believe. He didn't just say it once, but it's a double negative. There's just some truth in that. He had made up his mind. He had set his will to not believing that Jesus was alive, that he had risen from the dead. And I love Jesus' response to that. I printed that for you there too with the Greek as well. Jesus said, not be unbelieving, but believing. You see, he comes at Thomas's double negative with his own words to turn from unbelief and turn to believing, to turn away, to stop doubting and believe, as we uh, translated it in the NIV text. Stop doubting. Turn away from your sinful will and receive the gift of faith. So isn't this interesting? We need to redirect our will, says Jesus. Stop doubting and believe. All right, flip your outline. Name and claim it. Redirect your will. The third thing we need to do is renew your confession of faith. We learn this from Thomas. After he has his doubting moment, after he comes back to faith, there's this amazing confession. He says, my Lord and my God. It's one of the most powerful con confessions of faith in all of the Bible, really. If you want to write down, let's look at each one of these powerful words. Right? He says, my my Lord and my God. My, it means it's a fact that faith is in somebody else's. It's personal. He's saying this is my confession. I'm making this confession, something that has happened to me in my life. And then he calls him Lord, my Lord. The word Lord is the word that declares the fact that, that Jesus Christ is the manager of his life. You know, in the past, Thomas had called Jesus teacher, rabbi. But now he calls him Lord. There's a big difference. 
right? As Lord, he's saying, you are the one I look to for guidance and direction. You're the one who is now saying that it's going to set the pattern for my life. You're the one I give my life to. You're my Lord. Then comes this one little word, and. It's a simple little word, but in this confession, it reminds us that you can't contain the person of Jesus Christ in just one word, isn't it? He's the great and. He's the Lord and so much more. He's Thomas saying, you're my Lord, but you're my creator, you're my redeemer, you're my friend. He's so many more things. So Thomas, in this simple confession, recognizes the greatness of Jesus Christ. And then he uses my again. I think this is so cool because it just reminds us again how powerfully personal our confession is. We can't gather and sing together and, and not have a personal confession in Jesus as well. It needs to be my Lord and my God. And then finally, God, this word God, probably the most powerful word in this confession. Thomas looked at Jesus, the man who was standing right there in front of him, and he sees this truth about him maybe better than all the rest of the disciples, that Jesus isn't just a Messiah sent from God, but he is Messiah God himself. He is the Messiah God in the flesh, that this man standing in front of him raised from the dead is the creator who made him. He's the one who's in charge of everything. He's the Lord and God, the personal director of his life who cannot be contained in words, a creative, powerful, personal creator that Thomas gives his life to. See, isn't that just beautiful confession? This is uh, what, what builds faith and sustains faith and creates faith, this coming to Jesus and confessing who he is in our lives. And then it all ends finally with this fourth thing to overcome doubts is just to receive, to receive the gift of God's blessing. Receive the gift. Remember these great words of Jesus? He said, because you have seen me, you believe. But then Jesus does something exquisite. I hope you don't miss this. You just get this picture in your mind. He's talking to Thomas. And Jesus says, because you have seen me, you believe. And then Jesus turns to the camera of time, and he looks into that camera through time to you. He looks to you and me, and he says, blessed are you who have not seen and yet believe. Do you see how Jesus reaches through Thomas's confession into your life and says that we are blessed when by faith, by our informed trust, we open ourselves up to God and receive the free gift of his blessing, and we will be blessed. I love it how John closes this section of Scripture. He says, Jesus did many other miraculous signs in the presence of his disciples, which are not recorded in this book, but these are written, that you may believe. Can we say this? That you may have faith that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing, by having faith, you might have life in his name. See, this is the beautiful result of receiving the gift of faith won for us by Jesus Christ, that we are uh, blessed, and the result of that is life. Life now and life for all eternity, and life in his name. 
That means when we believe we have life in his name, that means our lives are stamped with the name of Jesus. Everything we say is stamped by the name of Jesus. Everything we do is stamped with the name of Jesus. Every relationship we have is stamped with the name of Jesus. Every doubt, every question we have is stamped by the name of Jesus so that we might overcome, we might believe, and that we might be blessed. Is that good news, friends? So when we struggle, when we doubt, like Thomas, we know that Jesus is there to bless and give us life through it all. God bless you every day as Jesus blesses and gives you life. Amen. Amen. Well, friends, let's confess as Thomas did, maybe with a few more words, but confess our faith today in the words of the Nicene Creed. Would you please stand? Together we boldly confess, I believe in one God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and of all things visible and invisible, and in one Lord Jesus Christ, the only begotten Son of God, begotten of his Father before all worlds, God of God, light of light, very God of very God, begotten, not made, being of one substance with the Father, by whom all things were made, who for us and for our salvation came down from heaven and was incarnate by the Holy Spirit of the Virgin Mary and was made man and was crucified also for us under Pontius Pilate. He suffered and was buried. And the third day he rose again, according to the scriptures, and ascended into heaven and sits at the right hand of the Father. And he will come again with glory to judge both the living and the dead, whose kingdom will have no end. And I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Lord and giver of life, who proceeds from the Father and the Son, who with the Father and the Son together is worshiped and glorified, who spoke by the prophets, and I believe in one holy Christian and apostolic church. I acknowledge one baptism for the remission of sins, and I look for the resurrection of the dead and the life of the world to come. Amen. In faith, we respond to our Lord's invitation to come to him with all of our concerns and joys as we join together in prayer. Our Lord and our God, we thank you for the gift of faith, which your Holy Spirit works in us, that we might turn to you in every joy and every concern, that we might be able to trust you when all things are dark and troublesome in this world, we know that you still are in control. We pray that you would enliven our faith all the more as we hear from your word as we join in the fellowship of believers, as we come together for the Lord's Supper, we pray that you would strengthen us in faith. We might trust in you at all times. We lift up to you, Lord, those who are especially in need of healing and encouragement at this time of physical ailments and recovering from surgery. We pray for Jean Parkhurst, 
and for Terry Westby recovering from surgeries. We pray for Lori Heater, who is battling cancer. Tim Krause's sister, Julie, who is dealing with a number of health issues. With Brianna Miller, we pray for her recovery from significant illness. In all these and other requests, we lift up to you, Lord. We pray, hear us, O God, for your mercy is great. We lift up to you, Lord, those who are grieving and are broken in spirit at the death of a loved one. We pray for the the family of Lorraine Picoit, who was laid to rest yesterday. For John Ganson and his family as they are mourning the passing of his mother, Sue. And we pray for our dear sister in Christ, Janet Dalkey, and her family as they're mourning the passing of her husband, Ted Dalkey. Lord, we pray that you would point all those who are grieving in faith to the promise of the resurrection of the last day. That that assurance that we will rise just as Christ is risen will carry them through every day of sadness as they walk through the valley of the shadow of death. Trust that you are with us in our grief, and we pray that you would give us faith in the the promise of the glory yet to come. Hear us, O God, for your mercy is great. For all the joys that we bring to you, Lord, we we lift up our celebration, the baptism of Jensen Hippus later this morning, the anniversary of Roger and Marcy Denzine, who are celebrating 57 years together as husband and wife, and all the others who are remembering their birthdays and anniversaries, baptismal birthdays, and all the other joys of life. We thank you that these are a preview of the joy that will be unending in your eternal kingdom, which we will enjoy because of your work in Christ for us. Hear us, O God, for your mercy is great. We pray as we prepare ourselves for coming to your table to receive the body and blood of Christ in the bread and the wine. We pray that you would work in us that faith that admits to our doubts and our sin, lays them at your, at your cross to be forgiven. And we pray that we would have that faith that receives the gifts which you have for us here, forgiveness, life, and salvation in the blood of Jesus. Hear us, O God, for your mercy is great. Into your hands we commend all for whom we pray, trusting in your mercy. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. You may be seated as we bring our offerings to the Lord. Let me say just a word of thanks to all of you who who give, sacrifice that might support the work of our congregation here at Faith. Thank you for your gifts. Thank you. 
invite you to stand. Blessed are you, O God, ruler of heaven and earth. Day by day you shower us with blessings. As you have raised us to new life in Christ, give us glad and generous hearts, ready to praise you and to respond to those in need. Through Jesus Christ, our Savior and Lord. Amen. The Lord be with you. Lift up your hearts. Let us give thanks to the Lord our God. It is right to give him thanks and praise. It is truly good, right, and salutary that we should at all times and in all places. Give thanks to you, O Holy Lord, Almighty Father, everlasting God. We praise you for the glorious resurrection of your Son, Jesus Christ, the very Paschal Lamb, who was sacrificed for us and bore the sins of the world. By his dying, he has destroyed death, and by his rising again, he has restored to us everlasting life. Therefore, with Mary Magdalene, Peter, and John, with all the witnesses of the resurrection, with angels and archangels, and with all the company of heaven, we laud and magnify your glorious name, evermore praising you and singing. this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us and lead us not into temptation but deliver us from evil for thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever amen our lord jesus christ on the night when he was betrayed took bread and when he had given thanks he broke it gave it to his disciples and said, take and eat. This is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, also, he took the cup after supper. And when he had given thanks, he gave it to them, saying, drink of it, all of you. This cup is the new covenant in my blood, which is shed for you for the forgiveness of all of your sins. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. The peace of the Lord be with you. I invite you to share God's peace with one another as we prepare for the Lord's Supper.
please stand. The body and blood of our Lord Jesus Christ strengthen you and keep you in his grace. Amen. Amen. Let us pray. Mighty and compassionate God, you have brought us over from death to life through your Son, our risen Savior, and you have fed us in the sacrament of his body and blood. Send, Send us, us now into, into the, the world, world in peace, peace and, and grant, grant us strength and courage to love and serve you with gladness and singleness of heart. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. Now, Lord, bless you and keep you. Lord, make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. Lord, look upon his favor and give you peace. Amen. We thank you for joining us for today's worship service he is from risen the Faith indeed. Ministry Center Sanctuary. All the members of Faith Lutheran Church invite you to join us for any of our worship services. We would enjoy sharing the time with you. For ministry center locations, worship and education times, please visit our website at faithfoxvalley.org or call the church office at 920-739-9191.